Movie Podcast. I'm Jazza John. And I'm Rowan Ellis. Each month we meet to discuss a queer movie from a different genre of cinema. This month's genre is... Oscar, Oscar winners! winners! Ooh. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, Rowan. Yes. As we do every month, mm. can you tell me what was the gayest thing that's happened to you in the last four weeks? Well, I went to Disney World with like ten other queer people. Which was Queeple. pretty, pretty gay, <laughs> I think. It is honestly. really gay. Can I be real? I don't really understand the whole, like, queer Disney Venn diagram thing and why it's so large. Um, Can you break that down for me really, really quickly? <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, um, gays like fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, um, oh, and right. being happy, and it is the happiest place on earth. Um, it isn't, is it? Is that's it? That's why. That's the tagline. I don't know. I've just the only I've only ever gone to maybe it's because I've only ever gone to Disneyland World, Paris, um, as an adult. That oh, see, you've every every part of that is wrong. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, what about me? You're meant to ask me as well. What about you, Jazza? What was the gayest thing that you did in the last month? I've had a really uneventful gay month, and it's quite sad, and I'm very miserable about the whole thing. But I did one day, um, after several months of drought, go on two dates and make out with two boys. Ooh, very nice. I know, thank you. Very good. Back on the wagon. Well, hey. Yes, I feel validated by others now. And their mouths. <laughs> and their mouths, specifically. Um, also, we're going to see Love, Simon tonight. Oh, yeah, that so is going is. to be that the That might be the on another episode. Thing. We'll see. We've got another team. We've got a high school one actually coming up, so that could work. Oh, that could work. Very exciting. Stay tuned. So that's enough about what we've been doing this month. We're now going to go on to review our queer Oscar cinema. Oh, why are we ghosts? <laughs> As always, we gave you options on Twitter for films under the genre we're doing. This month, queer Oscar films. They were... Brokeback Mountain. Moonlight. Monster. Dallas Buyers Club. You guys chose Moonlight with an obliterating landslide of 67% of the vote. Jazza, how do you feel about this? Well, I'm I'm almost actually quite disappointed that there wasn't a bit of a run, a closer runoff between Moonlight and uh, Brokeback Mountain because Brokeback Mountain it was kind of like very much a coming of age film for me. It was the first time I saw like gay sex that wasn't porn. And we, but I feel like we've already almost watched Brokeback Mountain because it was on TBF last month. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, completely. So it would have been pointless yeah, for us to continue totally to pointless. go on and do it. Um, you were really happy about this. We did hint at the end of the last episode that there was one movie that we wanted you to to vote for. Um, and you did us proud, guys. Well done. Yeah, we did. Spoiler alert, we wanted you to pick Moonlight. So well done. You did good. You did <laughs> real good. We're very proud of you all. So Moonlight is a significant... It won the Oscar for the best uh, best movie, best film, um, last year in 2000. Best and Picture. Best Picture, yeah. sorry, in 2017. Um, uh, not, not La La Land. No, not It wasn't La La, 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 La Land. Land. We don't it talk was, about don't that. Don't speak of that. It was Moonlight. The Academy Award. <laughs> for Best Picture. You're impossible. <laughs> Come on. La La Land. Yeah! 
We lost, by the way, but, you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. No. There's a, this, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, I, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. So every, every month with whatever movie ends up winning our poll, we'll review it and then we'll talk about how queer it is. Um, but first of all, we need to sum up how we felt about the movie um, in, in perhaps like a, a, different, a different title that we'd give it. Rowan, is there another title that you would have given Moonlight? Um, well, do you know what? I'm going to give it the title of a particular note that I made. Oh, right. Which is based on the fact that I noticed very quickly the motif of water, realised that I probably want to make a video about water in Moonlight, and then made lots of notes about every time I saw water. And then at one point, I just wrote in all capital letters, underlined it, and then put as an exclamation mark. Also, tears are water. <laughs> So that's my new one. Moonlight, colon, also tears are water. I'll be honest, I'm not sure how much better that would have done for the, t for the film's marketing. Um, I, to be honest, I think just the title, Tears Are Water, would have prob... That sounds like an indie... That does sound that like, like, that does sound like an Oscar-winning picture. <laughs> that's brilliant. How about you? What would you have... What's your alternative title? Uh, mine is... Uh, Chirone gets buff and... Uh, Excellent. Thank I like you. how you've really distilled down an iconic and historic piece of cinema. Yeah, how important it was to... Groaning and a man getting swole. Um, yeah. I'm weak. <laughs> I'm really, really weak. We should say we're going to spoil this film massively. So if mm -hmm. you haven't watched it already, for a lot of these films, I'd be like, don't worry about it, we'll chat. But for Moonlight, I feel like it's worth actually No, seeing. for goodness sake, actually watch it yourself. Before, before we... Ruin it. With There's that. a reason it won Best Picture. Yeah. It is, a, and it's one of the few times actually that uh, Best Picture is not something that I thought was um, poorly awarded. And my opinion is obviously key in all yeah, of this. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So before we go into the first third, which is called Little, because the film is told in, in three different sections. Three acts, if three you will. Three acts. Because it was based on an um... un unproduced play mm -hmm. that apparently was written not very much like a play and was really written by a script, which may be why it remained unproduced. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that themes-wise, so I feel like a lot of the... There's, I mean, a lot of that. We've done one so far. GBF did not necessarily have any, like... <laughs> deep and meaningful overarching themes no. necessarily aside from as you pointed out really well in our review um uh, performative allyship, allyship. yes um so i wrote down like a few that i think of i that i thought of for moonlight and i but i feel like there's so many that could come into it so we had like masculinity fatherhood sexuality mm -hmm. poverty cycles of insert word here like abuse or, mm -hmm, or anything mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. was a really big one for me was there anything else that you were um, the big one for me with the film, the, the most recent takeaway that I had from it was this idea that it's split into three acts because it de defines three very distinct um, uh, versions of Chiron, the, the, the main character, um, of him being like a little toddler called Little, um, uh, him being a... No, He's not like a toddler. Ten. He's like eight, <laughs> eight, nine or ten or something like that. Um, uh, him being um, Chiron in, uh, in like, I guess, middle school or high school. High, it's probably high, high school. school, right? Um, and then him... Uh, 
kind of going through the penal system and coming out of it as as black who's like another just another drug dealer but there's also this kind of consistency of who he is and things that you cannot change about yourself what you can do is change how people end up perceiving you and um uh, dealing with you but he can't change the fact that he's a black man he can't change the fact that he's a queer person and he can change the fact that he's from um uh, from poverty right and those are parts of his identity that are less malleable than kind of like his ability to become buff, become a gangster, and to... He says that he builds him up himself from the bottom up, um, and he builds himself hard. Uh, and you can change all of those things, but he's still going to be a queer guy. Yeah. When they sent me to Atlanta, put me straight in the Jew for being an old boy. Met this dude in there. When I come out, he put me on the block. They good at it, rose up. That's what it is. Bullshit, man. That ain't what it is. That ain't you, Sharon. Nigga, you don't know me. I don't know you. So, I suppose without further ado, we'll go through the first act. Little, as well mm-hmm. act. And this is the introduction. So, like... I mean, I'm going to mention water at some point in all of this. Great, I'm really I can. So exciting, I, thrilling for Jazza. He's just <laughs> chomping at the bit to hear about this. But it is the first introdu- introduction of it. Um, fun bit of trivia that we found out: the the scene, which is like a really iconic scene. It's like I feel like the image that a lot of people will know if you show, if you say like, "Have you seen Moonlight?" And they're like, "Oh, what is that?" And you show them the image of yeah, it was in all of the, the trailers, water, yeah, you know, for the posters, and it was beautiful like that's that kind of introduction when um one is uh teaching uh young chiron how to swim Mm -hmm. in i guess it would be like the beach in miami yeah and it's oh just the cinematography in this film is so so beautiful beautiful. and it's imagery is really interesting and symbolism is really interesting because most symbols have multiple meanings so color is the easiest way to kind of talk about this so for example the um there's color symbolism of the color red can mean danger and warning but also can mean the opposite can mean love um or it can mean passion sexuality there's so many meanings and depending on the context it means something different and in this i felt like water had like every single meaning that i know that water has symbolically ended up flowing through this movie flowing through it thank you very much Mm -hmm. um so like water is both this like life-giving thing it's this necessity it's the thing that makes up who you are but it's also like flowing it's also like something not that's you can't capture mm-hmm. um it's also this sense of freedom and a sense of danger you know the sea is something where you can look out to the horizon but you can also drown and die like it's a very it's kind of really interesting and all the way through we have this really i felt like duality of sharon having some like being in a dangerous situation and then having security and safety with some people mm-hmm. And that and how he was like able to deal with that and how his identity like flowed through that was really mm-hmm. interesting. So I felt like it was just such a such a beautiful image to have this kind of l- taking himself into a dangerous situation, but then like learning to be safe with this father figure mm-hmm. that he like clearly needed in his life at that point. Give me a hit. Let your head rest in my hand. Relax. I got you, I promise. I'm not gonna let you go 
Hey, man, I got you. There you go. Ten seconds. See that right there? You're in the middle of the world, man. So... The story is based around um, this young kid, Sharon, and the first act is his uh, preteen. <laughs> Sharon, the preteen years. <laughs> it doesn't have that tone at all. And he uh, is raised by a single mum, who at the beginning of the movie actually seems pretty put together. When we first see her, she's played by um, uh, Nas- uh, Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris, um, who plays Money Penny in the new Bond films. Fun fact. Bit of fun, fun yeah, trivia. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, and she seems pretty put together. She has like a, um, it, she's coded as like having a job. And it looks like she's got scrubs on, like yeah. a nurse. Yeah, 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 that kind of a thing. So Sharon has been uh, chased into um, hiding in, in this abandoned house and is discovered by one who's played by uh, Mahershala Ali, um, uh, who is also like, a, he's, a, he's a, a, a drug baron, like he's in charge of selling the drugs. Um, uh, and... It's never really clear why he ends up doing this, but he ends up taking Chiron under his arm, under his wing, and looking after him. Chiron doesn't want to go back home to his mother, um, because he's not very happy there, and he gets looked after um, uh, by this new father figure, and by kind of like a surrogate mother figure, Mm, Teresa, Teresa, who's played by Janelle Monet. Who is a goddess? My note has just said, aka Queen of All. Oh, no, she's she's just ridiculously beautiful because this was this was the same year she was in hidden figures as well yes it was and yeah, actually yeah, he yeah. was as well he was as well like uh-huh. this is um, t- such talent yeah <laughs> um but yeah like i think this was really interesting to me because Juan was like okay so the first time you see him you know that he's involved in drugs like they don't it it's the first it would have been really interesting mm. i think if they had if that scene had been cut mm-hmm. um and if they just initially he just gets found by this man and yeah you don't if you just cut out, out the first like three minutes later mm. that he i've only just thought i've actually like literally only just thought of that but i think it would be really interesting as an audience to like find out that afterwards but you already have this idea about him but actually maybe that's the point right mm-hmm. that you have these preconceived ideas about who he is based on this preoccupation the uh, based on this profession that he has and then you see him have this relationship that with little that's that's very like tender and caring in a lot of ways but we we see that reaction from Chiron's mother yes. as well um uh, the way that she reacts to a black man that she doesn't know bringing her son home who is... knows who knows about where all the like the places other people are stashing stuff yeah right she, she's incredibly protective of him and even when she starts um uh, battling with like drug addiction she is still not opening up to um, this surrogate father figure who mm-hmm. could who could potentially be a good influence, or maybe she knows that she doesn't want her son to be caught well, yeah, up. Yeah, because he's the one who's dealing to yeah, her. Yeah, dealing right? to her. And right? I think that that's really interesting. This like it sets him up as a moral character that he's like deliberately tries to separate the the kid from the drug. Like he's he tries to keep those two worlds very very separate. Mm-hmm. His home life is very much. I feel like a lot of the I feel like a lot of the things that get dealt with in terms of like drugs and violence and African American. Or, or black people in America is very interesting because I think that you could very easily look at it and be like, this is a complete cliche, right? This is mm. the thing that always, like, oh, I suppose you're the, the crack addict mother, all this stuff. But I do think the way in which it's dealt with in terms of giving it complexity and making it deal with larger themes and, and that to me makes it more than it could have been otherwise. Mm. And I think a big part of that is looking at this cycle of this man who 
isn't, you know, doesn't have that stereotypical idea of like, he's got all his bitches at home and like, da da da, mm-hmm. and like hoes and bitches and like swag and stuff like that. It's very much like he has this woman that he is monogamous with, that he loves, who they have a very seemingly stable home life. Mm-hmm. They have a very nice house. Mm-hmm. Um, he is separated. Because he has lots of drugs. money from but like, drugs. But yeah, yeah, but that's true. But I think that that's not how it's normally portrayed, right? Yeah, it's like um, a very two dimensional, mm-hmm. it's a very like one dimensional portrayal mm-hmm. of. Uh, typically in film and this feels a little bit more three-dimensional but i also think it is that cycle right of like he can try and separate the kid from the drugs in a literal sense because he can be like let's not tell sharon about what i'm doing let's Mm -hmm. assume he doesn't know let's take him out literally like out of this place where drugs are being like either stored or they're being um dealt Mm -hmm. but then at the same time he's dealing to the mother so he's in he's like taking drugs into this child's like actual house Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. it's a really like not cut and dry situation where it's like he can cognitively like dissociate the idea of like the the harm that he might be doing because he's re- he's helping him. And you're kind ways. of and I think it's amazing how quickly the film allows you or draws you in and makes you like one and doesn't make you be suspicious of him. I felt like they grow this kind of surrogate father son relationship really really quickly. It's in the first like 15 20 mm-hmm. minutes. And at no point does it feel contrived or rushed. And you like it's um you've got to give it to Barry Jenkins the the way that that was kind of portrayed um was re- really really incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Um and it does come it comes to a, a like the as we were saying like the iconic scene of the the teaching him how to swim and then giving him kind of like the this is how this is what it's like to be black in the world, mm. right? From um, one to um, young Chiron. Let me tell you something, man. There are black people everywhere. Remember that, okay? No place you can go in the world ain't got no black people. We was the first on this planet. I really wanted to talk about uh, Chiron kind of interacting with other children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, oh, God, I love how this film is shot. Um in that it's it really shows the physicality when they're like uh, when they're all playing football and they're kind of wrestling and that really physical aspect of um young male relationships be they gay or straight like you're not sexually aware at that age really um uh, and the way that that was portrayed and that came through in the way that it was shot was really brilliant and one of the things that i really really liked um and that kind of um made me crack a smile was when they're doing the willy checks <laughs> and all of the boy all of these like eight-year-old nine-year-old boys have all got their dicks out and are just being like oh god mine looks like um uh, freddy krueger <laughs> like all of that kind of <laughs> stuff i don't really because all boys do that when they're growing up um uh, and there's something about it for like a uh, for gay men at least um I think every everybody ends up doing it, but it kind of sits with us in a very different way because it's our first kind of realization of, um, uh, oh, like this is a thing, and it's intriguing to me. Um, uh, and it was really nice how that was kind of how that those seeds were kind of planted. Like you got to see like lingering looks and shots of like these young kids completely unsexualized, but you knew that something was happening in the background for Chiron as he was going through these really normal experiences as like a young boy. Man, you're the same as mine. At least mine don't look like Freddy Krueger. Yours ugly as hell. Mine don't look like no peanut. Tell you, mine do not look like no peanut. Who let his ass in? So we've reached the first of Rowan's 
so many gay tropes in this film. Yeah. Uh, list. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? This film is absolutely packed full of like, I don't want to say cliche or stereotypical, but like kind of gay tropes, like stuff that you can tick off. And it's like if you were playing gay film bingo, right? What would you yeah. Tick off? Yeah. Which is but a we game we're gonna before, have to play at some point. Yeah, we like we talked about this, I think, a little bit on Facebook before when before we watched it. But it was it's it's some of them are unavoidable because they do they do tap into something which is like a universal experience or like a, mm-hmm, an experience mm-hmm. that a lot of gay people can look at and be like, oh, do you know what that is true? Or like an anxiety that you have that actually is interesting in being dramatized. Um, and it doesn't make it a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. I think for this film in particular. It's it's none of these tropes had I ever seen before with a black main character, mm-hmm. right? Um, or and that even in a black only cast. Yeah, 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 and yeah. that in itself brings something extra. But the first, so locker room, looking at other boys' dicks, that is on the list. Um, <laughs> other ones, which this one starts in this third, is everyone knows he's gay, is another classic trope. Before like, he before even knows he he's even gay. Knows. And, yeah. and the thing is, he's not, it's, he's not effeminate in any way. It's not one of those, like, played for laughs things that often happens in film where it's like mm. he's so swishy and everyone knows he's gay but he's like I don't want to come out yet no it's like, like they can smell out. it on you yeah mm. but he's just a quiet kid sensitive like yeah right? well like yeah lots of nice sensitive. queer coded words yeah he's different he's sensitive <laughs> oh this one ticks off too um best friend turns on him out of fear and crush turns on him out of fear Best friend and, and crush, crush turn on oh. him out of fear. Oh, there he goes. Um, gay bashing, but the basher is gay too. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Tick. Um, oh, and the last one I got is um, at least one homoerotic dream sequence, of which I think we got two. In I believe we spoiled. did have two. We um, were spoiled. There was I'm, a good lip bite in the last one. There I was a great lip. Oh, yeah, I just wrote yeah, yeah, down yeah. Sharon, get it in your dreams. Just loads of Kevin looking very mm. sexy. I was really I was into right Kevin. Yeah. Um, so those are all like things that I feel like if you've ever watched any gay media, TV and film, you're like, tick, 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 tick. But it also does feed into so many fears, like the crush being like turning on you in fear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is absolutely something that if someone, you have that thing of like, I don't know if this person is gay or not and mm-hmm. kind of a crush, but if I say something, will it turn ugly? Like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. not, un- like, do you know what I mean? That's not an uncommon thing to think. So it makes sense to me that it is in gay media. There's a reason that they are tropes because a lot of them resonate for people like people like us yes. them them queers. <laughs> queers and i noticed um those kind of tropes happening here as well but i wasn't mad about it at all mm-hmm. because it was so we've never seen it told like yeah. this yeah, and absolutely. for these types of people and i think and it's so we're obviously reviewing we're reviewing this film from like a queer perspective mm-hmm. but this is very much i think in equal parts, a queer and a black film. Probably more yeah. of a black film in terms of like how significant it was, especially for the time. Um, but it's the first um, black-only cast, and it's the first LGBT movie to win this uh, to win the Best Picture award. Um, uh, and it really, it's wonderful that we're able from our community to be able to see things that resonate for us. And there's going to be so many things that we're going to end up missing in this review, mm-hmm. but that are really important tropes for like um, uh, for black and and people of color. And also of people um in poverty as well mm, like so yeah, right. there's a there's been some interviews with the writer that's really interesting because he's this is very i don't want to say autobiographical but there are many elements in here that resonated with him because um he himself had a mother who suffered from addiction and mm. grew up in miami and same with barry jenkins the director and um and he said explicitly when they've talked about you know do you think that people talk too much about it being a gay film or a black film and he basically was like you come you come at it wherever you come at it, mm-hmm. right? It's like you oh, the right. thing that resonates with it. Um, 
but to limit it to one thing does mm. d- kind of do a dis- disservice essentially and I yeah I think that's absolutely true Hey Teresa your boyfriend's here Boy You talking to me today Huh? Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk to you anyway. Sharon has run away from home again. Uh, and he sits down at the table uh, after one tells him that um, Janelle Monet has a crush on him. And I'm like, lol. And he asks, um, am I... He asks, what's a faggot? And just hearing those words come out of a young boy, like a little boy's mouth, just, like, hit me right in the chest. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just kind of like the innocence of hearing a slit, uh, hearing a slur, knowing it's a slur, and knowing it's directed to you, but you don't really know why. And also, he's he doesn't say it immediately. He waits, and so it's like he's comfortable enough with this family like he has a moment where he's like am i gonna ask this these are people i can trust Mm -hmm. like these are people who aren't going to agree with this slur against Mm -hmm. me and there was just a really nice yeah and it's it's really i i love this scene because it it gives chiron um uh, something that he deserves for once because he's having such a tough time with his mother at school um uh, and um all of those kinds of things and he is given something that many of us have never been able to have, and that is a really wonderful, supportive conversation around sexuality from people that um, uh, like look after him, like surrogate mm. parents, essentially. So he asks, what's a faggot? One says, it's a word people use to make gay people feel bad. Then Sharon says, am I a faggot? And he responds with, you might be gay, but you don't let nobody call you a faggot. Am I a faggot? No. You could be gay, but you gotta let nobody call you no faggot. I mean, unless... How do I know? You just do. I think. You know what you know. And though, those are just really lovely words. And then Rowan laughed because... Listen, I didn't laugh at that bit. The bit before that, I was very moved by. It was a bit immediately after where one goes, um, you don't let anyone call you that. And then he pauses and kind of goes, I mean, maybe if... And she turns to Janelle Monáe to be like, can I say this? And she just looks at him like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which, like, to me, immediately I thought he was... Because they've been... Basically, they've been using the N-word and they do throughout the film. And to me, it was this moment of, like, do I get into, like, reclaim slurs and, like, you can let people call... And you can call yourself, but that's... And she was just like, too complicated, don't, he's a child. Yeah. And it was so... Wait, let's not talk so about funny. reclaimed terms. Let's Come not on. get into that right now, buddy. Like, and it was just... It was just such a funny moment to me, but I was the only person who laughed in the cinema at that. I feel like... I will. <laughs> you ruined the vibe. The only one. We should also say this is where we say goodbye to one as a as a character. Um, God, the last scene that we Jesus. see him um, is uh, so Sharon's mum has has kind of started down the um, down the path of drug addiction, and 
Sharon turns up and has this conversation about, um, like, asking what faggot means, and then goes to one, so do you sell drugs? Um, uh, and one has, like, a breakdown. Um, and that's the last mm-hmm. we ever see of him. Oh, God. That, got, like, got me. And also the fact that this, this act... Did you laugh at that as well? No, I didn't. This act, <laughs> this act ends with... I'm, I'm such a fan of inverted commas subtly placed thematic meaning in conversations mm-hmm. and bits of media and stuff that are filler. So music in the background of stuff, which this did a lot with, mm. um, is one of them where I had this, the closed captioning on so you can see the lyrics mm-hmm. and it becomes it becomes hitting you over the head obvious when you see lyrics. But um, oftentimes if you're just hearing them in the background, yeah. you don't. And another big one is school lessons. Mm-hmm. When there's school lessons going on in the background and you're not meant to be focusing on focusing on them but what they're studying is relevant to the storyline it's my favorite thing in the world and uh, this one yeah. did it because they kept talking about dna uh-huh. and like family uh, in yeah. the background because they were in this biology class and also like what white blood cells as yeah, well which i thought so... was like is that a call to like the aids epidemic and stuff i wasn't sure I mean, what that potentially that was yeah. i mean the dna one was the one i really picked up on because uh-huh. it was it was at the end where we have this imbalance between like blood family and chosen family mm-hmm, and, like mm-hmm. what that means um and then we get into Act Two, Chiron. Long word, right? All right, it's basically genes. And I know y'all don't know what that means, but just hang with me for a second. So it's basically this long. <clears throat> Chiron, you need something? Hey, yo, that nigga forgot to change his tampon. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Pierce. He just having woman problems today. Ain't that right, Little? All right, Terrell, that's enough. I can't be enough for Little. How much you need, little? Don't call me that. All right, Terrell, that's it. Hey, yo, what you gonna do? Sharon, I'll fuck you up. Hey, yo, Terrell, out. So that leads us on to Act 2, which is entitled... Sharon! Yeah, with the voice and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> they actually asked me to do the introductions <laughs> to each act. I said no this time. Um, so, like, leading on from our idea of, of the whole everyone knows he's gay thing, mm-hmm. Teresa has the thing where she's like, it's all love and all pride in this house. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, gay as hell. I'm like, if she doesn't know he's gay, I don't know why she chose Oh my God, I didn't words. even get that. that was great. <laughs> um, and then immediately is like, well, okay, so here's the really interesting thing. Like you pointed out, the last time that we see um, Juan, it's because he's fat, he's basically, by omission, confessed to being a drug dealer. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And then they mention his name and there's like a really awkward silence. And you don't know at this point he's dead. Like there's a feeling of maybe they're... Because I, at that point... Maybe they've had a falling out. Yeah, they've had maybe a falling out. Left, maybe, maybe he's left. Maybe he's in prison. Gone, maybe he's up. Maybe they... And also there was this idea of like, I couldn't tell how often he visited her. Uh-huh. At that point, I wasn't sure. Because she said things like, you stay, you come here anytime you need. And I'm like, but if, he, if he'd already been coming round, why would she need to say mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe you know he you know i was i was really unsure at that point and that and that solidified for me okay it's something to do with this uncomfortableness with the drugs and blah 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 and then it was oh one's dead yeah yeah and that was and even then they didn't say it explicitly it's until like a few scenes later when he's with some bullies who mention it that you know exactly but it's this sense of dread that you're like left with Mm -hmm. but i did like the idea that it wasn't like totally spelled out in a like classic he looks longingly at a picture on the mantle kind of mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. where it's like oh my dead father figure happened <laughs> up on the mantle um that you let it left you with it for a while but it also made me realize that there we miss so many events and we only see the aftermath mm-hmm. of of his life which is like we don't see her becoming 
addicted we mm-hmm. don't see him in prison we don't see one's death we don't like there's so many things that we don't see we just see you how see, he's dealt yeah, with it you see the deterior the performance of um naomi, naomi thank you <laughs> of naomi harris in this film is insane how well from the way that she walks from the way that she makes eye contact mm-hmm. you can just tell how much she has deteriorated in the time that we've been away from these characters mm-hmm. i also so just a small thing that i really appreciated we didn't have one of those little subtitles that said 10 years later like i was like oh thanks you're gonna let us kind of just assume well, how long this know. is that's very sweet and immediately i knew who he was. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there was yeah, no yeah, question yeah, yeah. for me that it was the same character X many years. Later. And they have like all of the same ticks and stuff, like the but same they, kind so, of side windy head. And... So he, so they, I, tr- Rowan is trivia lady over here. Mm-hmm. Um, they filmed that the boys never met in production. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys who play Sharon and the boys who play Kevin never, they never met their older and younger counterparts. Oh right, okay. Um, so deliberately, so that they wouldn't have their performances informed by the others Mm -hmm. which i but how similar they are in a lot of mannerisms really i think is a massive testament to barry jenkins as a director to and and the writing of the script Mm. to have these performances that feel so much like they are the same person flowing through you was waiting for me well nice to see you too what you doing out here man what you doing out here? It's my smoke out habitat, nigga. <laughs> oh, what you smoke out here too? Something like that. Nah, you don't smoke. Why are you pretending? Trying to put on a show for me, Black? Why are you always calling me that? What, Black? Yeah, Black. That's my nickname for you. You don't like it? No, it's just, what kind of dude goes around giving other dudes nicknames? Then, I mean, the next bit I talked about is we've got the, the beach scene. Oh, 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 this is hot. This is, (laughs) this is some of the sexiest cinema ever. Did you know, by the way, so this is, this is Kevin and Sharon. Sharon um, goes down to the beach because he likes the water. Yep, theme. Rowan's, Rowan's favourite theme. Um, there is a really great water quote that I'm sure you have written down. Um, when they sit down next to each other and Kevin's like shooting the shit and being a lad and like doing all the like sexy stuff and uh, um, just being like really alluring. I'm into it. And he um, uh, gets like a, a, a I was going to call it a marijuana stick. <laughs> Jesus he gets, a jo- <laughs> he gets a joint from behind his ear and he's like, um, uh, do you like water? I'll introduce you to some fire. <laughs> and I was like, that yes. That was incredible. Thank you, way. thank you, thank you. I've been practicing my Miami twang. <laughs> I don't know whether it's just because I'm very much not a man or a gay man who's into the man. Um, but I, I wasn't really, this scene, I wasn't like, how hot? No. I was like, oh, look at these boys. Look at the cinematography. <laughs> look at these boys. Um, no, I was very like, I didn't even, like I thought it was really hesitant and complex and like the back and forth and the subtext and all this kind of stuff in it. And then I was like, Oh, that's a hand job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops. There they go. They, it there you go. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, no, Rowan, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so hot. And it's so... I think the reason that it's hot is because everyone's had that kind of a... 
somewhat clumsy, unexpected mm. hand job experience. <laughs> well, that, like. It, it was something that, like, it, like teenagers kind of exploring yeah. each other for the first time. For me, it wasn't the handjob element of it. <laughs> I was saying this about best picture, moonlight. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't the handjob thing. It was the working out whether the other person is into you thing. Yeah, that, that was, was sexy the, the as really well. Interest- I mean, not the sex. Okay, it's sure. sexy. Uh, no, it is was- sexy. It's just <laughs> le- lean into it, so Rowan. Accept this it. Is- Damn dog. She knows you. Oh, it's our wrong person now, huh? You trying to get smart with me? <laughs> Whatever, man. Nah, you trying to get smart with me, huh, Sharon? Yeah, you trying to get smart with me, huh? So this act ends with um, uh, uh, Kevin gets coerced into beating Sharon up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Sharon gets his own back on the bully, not on Kevin, um, by walking into class, picking up a chair and smashing it into his head. Mm-hmm. I'll be real. The first time... <laughs> this probably says a lot about me. The first time I saw this movie, I went, Yes, get him! <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a very, you see him, like, determined. And before that, he's, the ice has happened for the first time. Ah, yes, which is hard Hard water. water. Ice is hard water coming at you with the facts. It's (laughs) Rowan Jasper. Um, But he has this, like, yeah, this uh, hardening of Mm -hmm. himself. Because, like, the word hard and soft, like, those words are used, those motifs are used a lot as well to describe people. The idea of, like, he had to go through a process of, like, building himself up hard Mm -hmm. and I think that that is something that's really interesting the fluidity of water the like in some ways femininity of water in that Mm. sense versus this very like literally hard but also like set set also like shocking cold harshness Mm. to him plunging his entire face into this ice bath Mm -hmm. um and coming out of it like a man basically Mm -hmm. like this other this this new baptism that isn't like gentle and like supportive but is like he's this new person again mm-hmm. um but someone who is not necessarily who he really yes. is yes check those big biblical references Booms. welcome to this you listened to the first episode about gbf and you thought we were going to be all japes and laughs and here we are about <laughs> metaphors and cinematography we tricked you all specifically about water though yes, only no. water we will only comment on water in this podcast water on any film. and perhaps other elements <laughs> and also how sexy jazza finds any of them given films um get we're... ready for the porn episode which jazza is it's con- in two still mo- convinced that we're going to be doing no but we are it's <laughs> the spreadsheet Rowan you oh. haven't edited it <laughs> um, but yeah yeah so he he like emerges from this water goes to school hits this boy who then like we, we're left lingering on this boy like twitching on the floor yeah and you're like oh no oh, oh no dear. and we, we this see going to end well for yeah boy. and we see um, Sharon being put into the back of a police car which starts his um, kind of life on the for a better word the wrong side of the law Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we see him all, all, all big and muscly. 
Welcome to Act 3. <laughs> Well, homie. Yo, what's good with your B? Bobbing, bobbing. What's good? You bobbing? Trying to. Trying to. So, so where the hoes at? Nigga, you smiling and shit like you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Where the hoes at, nigga? I don't know. You tell me. Act three, black. So Sharon takes the nickname that Kevin gave to him and just ran with it. I mean, it's on his license plate. You got a personalized yeah, license plate, personal- which is black, and then the numbers are apparently like a postcode or something for Miami. Like oh. it's it's these two things in his past he doesn't let go of that have like kept him on this uh-huh. path. So Sharon has, I believe, the kids use the term "glowed up." Uh, yep. He Since got we, swole. yes, he got swole. Um, uh, <laughs> it's played by Trevon Rhodes, who's like a like an athlete sprinter person. He has abs like golf balls. Ooh, yeah, it's and very. They're very like undulating. They are <laughs> like water. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> he was fantastic. Uh, you know, he yeah, really, really great. I can I can I be real? So before I rewatched it for this um uh, podcast the uh, the only thing i remembered from this section of the movie was um uh, black working out and then like the cafe scene at the very end and that's all i remembered but like also when did he work out did i just <laughs> he works out there's like a montage when he he can't sleep and then he does oh, some working out oh yeah okay, okay um but just in my head that was like 20 minutes <laughs> But no, it's about there was two. Other, other stuff happened as well. Yeah, other things happened as well. Do you um, want to fill in the children? Uh, <laughs> so, so again with the cyclical stuff, like he's he's in the car with like someone who's clearly like his subordinate within yeah. the business. Subordinate. Um, subordinate within the business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, um, his subordinate is also in the same way that um Kevin did in the last act, bragging about a previous sexual encounter with someone mm-hmm. who's apparently called. Aphrodisia. Yes, which is my absolute favourite thing in the world. Which... Where it's like, this is clearly a lie. And he's like, no, man, it's not a lie. I'll show you her. Which She's is, the corner. Which is like, it's a cross between uh, Eastern European country that you haven't heard of and aphrodisiac. Yeah. Which I'm not sure anybody would have ever called their child. Who knows? Do that's you think it may show. have been a stripper name? <gasps> Maybe. Although that's a great stripper name. It is a great Also, I feel name. like that would be a great roller derby name. Yeah, aphrodisia. Aphrodisia, I could get way behind that. <laughs> and you just turn up with a load of oysters strapped to you. Amazing. Because oysters are an aphrodisiac. How? Do you Please, get it? No, leave. <laughs> um, but it was that car was another one of the like the um, bonding through heteronormativity and bonding through masculinity that's very performative. Mm. Because of like having this conversation where he's like, you know, laughing and joking about this like random girl that he's shagged and like all this kind of stuff, and it was very similar to the to like. One being in the car and the conversations he'd had. Yeah, and like It yeah, was very, yeah. like, kind of, it goes around, it goes around kind of thing. So there's um, uh, the scene uh, where he's, like, in bed and he keeps on getting woken up by phone calls. And we see that his mum is saved in his phone as Paula, which um, uh, is very sad. And then they go, he goes and sees her at, like, a, I guess it's a rehab clinic. Yeah, it's a rehab. He's got, like, a visitor's mm-hmm. badge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and... She kind of is there trying to make peace because she's like, like you were saying, it's almost like you know what you're talking about, Rowan. Where um, she's broke, managed to break out of this cycle of addiction, whereas he's been sucked into a cycle of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's there, like trying to desperately from the outside, screaming into his, uh, like where he's trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
and he's like, well, what do you expect me to do? This is how I ended up being raised, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I love you, Sharon. I do. I love you, baby. I mean, you ain't gotta love me. Lord knows I did not have love for you when you needed it. I know that. So you ain't gotta love me. But you gonna know that I love you. You hear? You hear me, Sharon? So he goes down to see Kevin after um, uh, they have, after he calls him in the middle of the night. Yeah, um, Kevin. Kevin calls Black. Uh, yes. Um, uh, always Kevin. Always Kevin reaching out. Always, always Kevin coming. Um, uh, and Kevin is flirty a f. Mm, yes. He like is. all of those like side glances, mm. those little like twitches of the mouth, the smiles. That <laughs> it's like, oh, are you Cuban now? Only in the kitchen, puppy. Yeah, no, um, uh, <laughs> I, I just live for Kevin. I want Kevin to be my friend. Yeah, you go with that damn nod again, man. You ain't, you ain't changed one damn bit. You still can't say more than three words at a time, huh? Says she's gonna cook for me. You know I say that. Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? You don't look like your ass been missing no meals. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. Sit down. Sit down, man. What you want? You can uh, order off the menu if you want to, or, hey, I could just hit you with that chef special. There's a really great bit from a guy who plays, I've forgotten his name, he plays Kevin in this third act, um, where he talks about the idea of like, I don't necessarily know if Chiron and Kevin are going to be together, mm. but I'm really interested in the image of them. Like he said, I have a very strong image of them, like walking along the beach with Kevin Jr. Like showing him all the ways that you can be a man that aren't this like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, every but part I, of that is a yes to me. I but I don't, I don't know if Chiron as a character or Black as a character specifically is capable of showing anything but toxic toxic masculinity. I think that he's had to embrace it, both by getting swole um, uh, and, like, building himself up hard, but also in his heteronormative performance that he has, that we see with um, him as a drug lord. But I... So I do agree with that that that's where he is now, but I also feel like that's not not where he has to stay, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I think that the decisions that he's making are decisions that he could very easily have ignored, mm-hmm. right? He could very easily have been like, who's this fag Kevin mm-hmm. who did that to me? He could have like hardened himself to not forgive. He could have like completely, uh, he could have like banged a load of chicks that he clearly hasn't done. Mm-hmm. Like there's many things that I feel like he could have, c- could have, could have done that would have been like, this is definitely the path I'm going on. But he's at the end, you see him make all these choices insofar as he can make these choices that, to me, hint at the idea that he's, like, self-aware enough that it can be a decision that he can reverse. Like, he's Mm -hmm. aware that it's a decision that he made and not an innate part of himself Mm -hmm. that he can't change. So, basically, Kevin cooks for Black. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. Um, And then uh, takes him home. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he does. Yep. (laughs) Um, And they kind of have a little bit of a moment and then uh, Sharon admits that 
uh, Kevin is the only person who's ever t- touched him. My note there just says, uh, so I've done subheadings, which include things like circle shots, food, and then it, this one is just gay. <laughs> and then the quote, you're the only man who's ever touched me. Mm-hmm. And then, get it, Chiron. It's, those are my full <laughs> notes for that. But then we never see them get it. They just rest their heads on each other. So I remember when I first watched this, I was furious mm-hmm. that there was no kiss. Mm-hmm. I thought that we were cheated out of a kiss. All I want is some explicit homosexuality between two attractive black men. That's all I want. Um, why were we denied it? Explain yourself, Rowan. <laughs> I also felt this way, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like... It's not a case of it was meant to be ambiguous as to whether or not anything happened, because I think it was very clearly meant to be mm. something happened. So mm. it wasn't a case of, oh, well, we wanted to leave it open, we didn't want to explicit. To me, it was like, well, we know something happened. Like, just show us show us this payoff moment. Like, show us this, this moment of intimacy between these two men that's actually, like, feels like it has more purpose behind it than when they were, like, fumbling around on the beach together. Mm. As much as I did, like, the mirroring of, like, the beach scene with the hand kind of cupping the head element and like the kind of head on the shoulder thing Mm. i really do still wish yeah that there had been a kiss between them that was like because also this is a standard thing if this were a love story between a man and a woman it is standard there's always a kiss Mm -hmm. and we have Kiss in the oh. rain, kiss with violins in the background, run and kiss, yeah. jump, holding the arm, swing around. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't necessarily need to swing around, no. although that would have been fun. But this is like the very, this is the straight thing that they would have Yeah, done. right. Straight way to do it. Um, and I find it quite, like it, it, it deliberately says something as a gay movie that um, uh, we don't see a kiss because you're kind of, I think it's deliberately there so that we question whether or not this is going to be a chance to break out from the cycles that we've been talking yeah. about. Um, and I'm kind of okay with that. But also, I think you could have had a really great, wonderful arc and narrative and been able to give us, like, one of the best, like, pieces of queer cinema that we've seen in the 21st century. Um, uh, maybe have the two main characters as adults make out with one another. Yeah. And it's not just me being thirsty. You're the only man that's ever touched me. You're the only one. I haven't really touched anyone since. And then um, the final, final shot, which is only about like five seconds, is of um, little Chiron looking out Blue into the eye. sea. And then he looks back. Just, just, just off. And as camera. we know, the sea is water. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, now, full circle, we're going to take it back to the quote that happened when Little was at the sea the last time we saw mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it's the important quote from that section and why it flashes back to that image of little which is um one saying you decide who you are basically that you get to make that decision and for me that's the reason why i see him mm-hmm. having made that decision it's because the end is literally like the last time when these words got spoken to him and it felt like this massive bit of foreshadowing that for him to go back to the time when he was his most 
when he was like most him- himself in a yeah, way yeah was yeah, like yeah. to me a sign that that's where it was going forwards at least that's what i hope that's what i took from it oh this is such a good movie So we like to put these movies that we review in cultural and context of time. That's a sentence that makes sense. Um, uh, so this was a year after two years of um, the hashtag Oscars So White campaign. Um, uh, started by, what was the name April of the name? April Rain. April Rain. Um, because uh, in 2015 there were no actors or actresses um, uh, nominated um, uh, who weren't white. And in 2016, it actually got even worse because there were only two nominations from um, uh, People of Colour projects um, for uh, Best Documentary and Best Screenplay. This wasn't just the first LGBT and first all-black film to win Best Picture. Um, it also had a load of other firsts. Um, so it was uh, had the first... Um, uh, female black editor to be nominated for an Oscar um, uh, in the form of Joy McMillan. Well done, well done, well done. And we also saw the first Muslim um, win an Oscar ever in the form of Mahershala Ali um, uh, in the... Yes, clap, clap. Well done. Clap, clap, clap. It was also um, the second lowest grossing film um, to win an Oscar for Beck's Picture. Fun fact. Before the nomination... Before Before it won. So Oscar winners... Um, I've forgotten the stat, but they like exponentially explode after the after the um, the win, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. Um, which is great. So hopefully, it won. but it was also the cheapest, mm-hmm. the, the lowest budget was one point something million mm-hmm. of any uh, best picture winner. They did all right, didn't they? They did pretty damn good. We also really need to put this movie in terms of it being a, a very black movie uh, around. Um, police brutality in the United States which was really coming to a head um, especially in the run up to the presidential election Mm -hmm. that had also just happened and just voted in Mm -hmm. um, our Lord Saviour President Trump this was Um, a nice little um, respite after but like so this is really interesting right because this is a film that deals heavily with poverty and drugs but there's no gunshots in this movie there's Mm. no police in this movie Mm -hmm. it's all within within that community in a way that's kind of distanced from the white people essentially is what we're getting yeah. at there. It's like it's distance from white people. Um which I think is really interesting. Um but also that, that both Barry Jenkins um and uh Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is the screenwriter, um both had it's both basically been like heavily reported they had a lot of similarities with the story so they grew up in miami they had a mother struggling with addiction and like 80 percent of the film was filmed in in miami on location um also okay if you want to feel very like under accomplished <laughs> a bit of context for you um this was barry jenkins's second feature film mm-hmm. and the scream the like the script which originally, as we talked about, was a play script, was written as a drama school project. Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in that these... Yeah, and just think to yourself, what have you achieved today? What have you done? (laughs) God, it's just so good. (laughs) It's just so good. (laughs) 
on this The Queer Movie Podcast, we have two forms of rating that we like to give every movie that we um, that we do. Uh, the first one is the queer rating, where we give up to six bars of the rainbow flag to a movie. Basically just by how much we liked it. Yes. We are the queer, we're the queers, so we get yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah our exactly. Own, our own liking. Exactly. Um, so how many bars of the rainbow flag are you going to give Moonlight? Six. Cool. That's it. I mean, I feel like We've... the entire episode <laughs> so far has justified this. <laughs> um, can I be controversial? Yeah. I'm going to give it five. Okay. Um, and I'm what I'm going to miss off uh, is the red one for, like, passion, mm-hmm. um, because no kiss at the end. That is actually very... F- okay. No, you've already given fair. six. You've already given six. No, no, no. I will, I will stand by that, but I also really... So we didn't even bother with the going through the colours when we were doing GBF. We were like, no, this is just how many <laughs> things it was. But actually, I quite like, because... If you don't already know, the colours on the flag do actually mean things. <laughs> and passion is the red one. Uh-huh, yeah. um, so I quite like being like, what, is it, what does it not have? That? Mm-hmm, yeah, no, yeah. that's nice. I you like are, that. Thank well, you. Then. There's also the cis-het rating that we like to give each of our movies. That is the cisgender heterosexual rating. That is how much of the movie, what percentage of a movie do we think a cis-het person is going to make it through. Uh, what do you think a normal cishet person is going to be able... What is normal, but how much of the movie do you think they'll see? So, okay, I'm going to go hard, I'm going to say 0%, but they'll tell everyone they have seen it. I'm going to say, <laughs> in quotes, very important film. <laughs> Where's the lie, Jasper? Where's the lie? Um, I'm going to be... Um, slightly more generous i'm gonna say that they watch um up until uh the faggot scene Mm -hmm. because then they're gonna start being really uncomfortable about slurs being used um uh, and so uh oh well queer wins anyway because we're used to the n-word because of like rap Mm -hmm. um so they're gonna get about 35 percent of the way through the movie so there we go um how would you make this movie gayer the kiss. The kiss. We've. I feel like yeah. That's yeah, really we've the covered only way. that. That is yeah. the only way. <laughs> Maybe a sex scene. Please do follow us on Twitter and find us on Facebook, um, so you can help us decide what next month's movie is going to be. Um, we're doing. Uh, we're going to be doing a comedy movies, comedy Ooh. queer movies, and so our four options will be Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Birdcage, oh. <laughs> Get Real, oh. um, and I Love You, Philip Morris. Oh. Uh, do you have a preference here? Yes, don't I tell them. Do. Yeah, I have a preference, but I, I don't I, think we have the same one. So I have a preference, but if I tell you anything about it, it will be it will give away immediately which one mm-hmm. I want it to be. Subscribe to us on iTunes or on your podcast catcher, and give us a ton of ratings, which is super important when you're a new podcast like us. Please love us. Please do. Love us. Love us. Love, love us. us. <laughs> also, in the reviews, like if you want to say anything about how much you like these movies, and uh-huh. stuff, or if you disagree with any of the stuff we said, please do because I think that we yeah. So we know that Rowan really wants to talk about water for Moonlight. What element would you like to talk about fire <laughs> <laughs> let me show you the fire what? <laughs> right that's the end
And I like as much as I did enjoy the very like tender moment that again mirrored on the beach with like the hand on the head, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. behind the head thing. <laughs> Thanks, Jazza. <laughs> I start that sentence again. Um, <laughs> I had no control over that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Uh,